Alrighty then, welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz. Adam, we're finally, after weeks <laughs> in the wilderness and in our respective bunkers, uh, back together. It's... I don't know if there was be back for just a brief moment in time. <laughs> I don't know if it was wilderness. Like there was a game plan. It's like <laughs> it was for me. <laughs> we're off the map. It's uh, yeah. No, it's, it's it's good to to do these little connective pieces together. We've been doing it separately just because of the you know the workload, which has been crazy the last six weeks, seven around week seven of our election coverage. So I think we've broken our own record probably this time. Oh around. my goodness. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> now that we've got that out of our shocking, system, shocking. Uh, open source is a CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us here every Thursday at five PM as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which this week will be two of the mayoral candidates. So in the first half, I am going to talk to John Edward Krusky, who is a private investigator slash security consultant who is running for mayor in here in Guelph. One of the six people running for mayor, I should say. And then in the bottom half of the show, uh, Scotty is going to talk to William Elbabish, who is also running for mayor. He is a professor at the University of Guelph Humber and, um, uh, I don't know about you, Scotty. Uh, I have uh, had a chance to sort of see all the the mayoral candidates in action this week. Um, well, almost all of them. Uh, five of them were at the Dublin Street United Church uh, debate on Tuesday, and uh, yeah, it's funny. We got like uh, you know mayors of of five different flavors running. They they all kind of have different backgrounds, different uh, ideas, and uh, it's it's an interesting slate. I've just been following your coverage, so. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. So what you see is what I see. And actually, the, I have to say, as the, the Guelph Political Project, a lot of people uh, do really appreciate what you're doing there because, oh, thank you. you know, as you say, it's like, well, it's, there's always not excuses made, but people will say, well, I don't really know what's going on. It's like, well, you know what? Look here, here and here and here, and you'll find out what's going on. Mm hmm. Because initially, I know initially, but it was talk of like, well, there'll be no mayoral debate, but there's been kind of like a yeah. few mayoral debates, right? So there's been several now. There's the, it just there's hasn't been that official one with the trumpets. It's like, we're just going to have these other ones. Yeah. Uh, and I will say that, yeah, the community really got their uh, proverbial stuff together. And um, there's been a ton of like debates and forums. And I mean, because people are trying to take the debate out of debates and, you know, I understand that. But yeah, there, there's there's been a lot of community action this election to try and get voters informed. Uh, and uh, that's been heartening to see. Plus we give everybody their traditional close to a half hour to, to say their piece. So mm -hmm. we try to do what we do as well. And we, we do what we do. Appreciate that as well. Yeah. You're welcome. Guelph in greats. <laughs> anyway, um, you know how many hours we spent <laughs> slaving over a hot mic. Um, yeah. So we will throw it to the first of our interviews. Uh, here is mayoral candidate, John Edward Krusky. Okay. So John Edward Krusky, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here this evening to speak with you. So. <laughs> 
Um, to, to start with, um, you kind of enter our, our mayoralists here with an interesting background as a, a bodyguard, a private investigator, a security consultant, uh, not the usual resume of someone who wants to be the mayor of Guelph, although all are welcome. But I, I, I obviously I don't want to start by asking you to break any confidences or anything, but um, I thought it might be interesting to start off by asking you to talk about sort of a day in the life of somebody in your profession. You know, what does an average day, um, you know, getting up, going to work um, for for someone in your line of work look like? Well, there really is no average day, and that's why I love what I do. I like to do something different all the time. Mm. Um, even when I started out in the security industry, I worked as a floater for a lot of the uh, larger companies. Instead of working continually at one site, I was being you know, trained to be a supervisor. They were moving me around, uh, mobile patrol, mm. dispatcher, you know, any dues that I could take on that would really familiarize myself with management level functions. Um, I eventually started to move away from working as a manager because I knew that I would probably start my own company at some point. I didn't want to be locked into non-competition clauses. Mm. Um, so around the time that I started my master's degree, I stopped working as a, ma- as a manager. Um, gotcha. In terms of what I do now with my business, um, the majority of it is private investigation. Mm. I take on some security contracts here or there. You know things of that nature, and if you want to pop another question for me, go ahead. I was just going to say let's let's get into the issues, um, and I do have your um, platform here in front of me, and so I'm going to just uh, try and uh, probe that uh, for for uh, for our time here. Um, one of the things yeah, that's st- one ahead. of the one of the things that stuck out to me. You, one of the things you note is uh, you want to protect green spaces. Uh, against land development projects and and have some greater environmental protection. So um, where do our current projections fall short in your estimation? And um, what kind of specific actions are you thinking about? Okay, we're projecting into the year 2051. Mm-hmm. You know, our city council doesn't even have to be held responsible for not meeting ideas that they're so far in the future, they don't even have to answer for the fact that are we really on target? Right. Um, but when it comes to protecting green spaces, part of that is the aesthetics of Guelph. Mm. There are a lot of people who, and you know, I pointed this out a couple of times throughout the campaign. Uh, do we really want to live in a city that looks like Mississauga? Mm. You know, I would have to say, you know, I don't want to live in a city that looks like Mississauga. Most people that I talk to do not want to see all condominium buildings, a lack of green space. Um, mm. When it comes to protecting these resources in our community, to me, it's both the aesthetics and, you know, our natural resources. And, mm. you know, I can even, getting onto our natural resources, we can go back to uh, Cheap Shot number two by Cam Guthrie when I was uh, at the debate last night at Dublin Street United Church mm-hmm. and I brought up the Nestle Corporation which sold you know their asset they separated I think it was Triton Blue which is now running the old Aberfoyle Mill right um, for years there's been conjecture about 
protecting our groundwater resources. You know, are our underwater groundwater resources in Guelph connected to the Aberfoyle Spring? And, you know, you're going to find arguments on both sides on this. And Guelph Wellington is a greater community. And I certainly believe in advocating for trying to work with Wellington County to get a responsible small business into mm-hmm. the Aberfoyle Spring. Mm-hmm. Um, location because what the entity operating in there right now mm. it's not any different from, from Nestle Panda and what they were doing and you know it concerns residents the fact that there have yeah. been protests about this there have been people going to City Hall in Guelph saying we should address this issue well obviously residents are concerned Mm-hmm. So I'm letting people know I share those concerns. I'm there to listen to what they want to get done and how we're going to address this. I would love to see a small company in there, you know, pumping water out that's maybe going to glass bottles and being returned mm. to our local community. Mm. You know, and so there goes the uh, cheap shot number two, which you saw Cam, you know, took a cheap shot at me uh, last night. Because I'm drinking from a plastic bottle, which is selection, not Nestle. But, um, <laughs> you know, and this is the stuff that I'm dealing with. And, yeah, he did that four years ago with Agnes. And, you know, if reelected, I'm sure he'll do it four years from now in the next campaign. But <laughs> it's just so ridiculous that you, you almost can't get on the issues because, you know, he's a salesman. He's just going to shift the topic to where he wants it to go. And that's one of the problems with these debates is the loaded questions being thrown at me. I don't even get to discuss half the things that I would like to discuss about my campaign. All right. Well, maybe you'd like to discuss this, uh, which is, uh, and you brought it up at the Dublin Street uh, Church debate. Um, And I did know that you're kind of one of the few candidates that have some kind of specific recommendations for, for the Guelph Police Service that um, other than just sort of like generally we need to improve safety. One of the things you mentioned, and I did find this interesting, and, and I hope you can lend some more detail to it, is that you want to replace uh, tasers with pepper ball pistols as sort of like a non-lethal option. And I know that there there is a lot of concern about, you know, cardiac events if, if people are tased. I have to confess, though, I am not familiar with what a pepper ball pistol is. Can you tell me? You know, a pepper ball pistol is basically like a handheld paintball gun Mm. that shoots pepper. Okay. It's um, probably one of the most innovative devices out there for a police officer who wants to make an arrest. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a risk with any tools that, you know, a person could get a shot with a pepper ball pistol. They could stumble into traffic, Mm. you know, um, same with pepper spray, but when you compare right. the risks associated with a pepper ball pistol compared to a taser, there are reasons why some you know, U.S. police departments have actually switched over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I believe it was the San Jose Police Department. Um, there's several that, you know, whether it's misfires with tasers, you know, tasers that do not operate when police need them to operate mm-hmm. and other reasons. But um Cardiac arrest is a, a serious concern when it comes to, you know, making arrest and safely getting that offender into custody. 
Mm. So I'm happy to put that idea out there that we really could be the kind of city that, you know, uh, brings that into our police department. And I am a supporter of that. Uh, you know, when it comes to public safety, you know, uh, I'm not going to use the terms that are the other candidates use like, okay, these are the four pillars of my campaign. <laughs> but if you look at the material that I'm distributing, you know, critical mm -hmm. infrastructure and lower taxes, mm -hmm. you could say that's one pillar of my campaign, really focusing on what do we need to do now? And what can we offset during a financial recession? And how can we reduce the tax strain on citizens during a financial recession? You know, mm. I would say the second pillar, business continuity planning at City Hall. You know, mm. ensuring that if there are any future interferences from the federal government or the provinces in our local business operations, that small business owners and even large corporations operating in Guelph can reach out to City Hall and ask for assistance with business continuity planning so that mm. people can continue their operations, something what City Hall did not do two and a half years ago. Okay. okay, so third pillar, which is what we were talking about, public safety and social services. Mm. You know, uh, Drew mentioned it. I'm trying to remember who it was last night at the debate where I brought up, you know, homelessness, poverty. It's inextricably linked to crime. And, mm. you know, it's something you have to look at is that the more poverty you have in a city, whether, you know, Chicago, New York, Toronto, mm. Vancouver, Victoria, I can just keep naming North American cities, but sure. You know, people know this is true that you have more poverty, more strain, more psychological issues mm -hmm. among the general population. You're going to have a higher physical rate of crimes. And, you know, when it comes to public safety and social services, they have to work hand in hand. Uh, to me, homeless shelters, you know, we're talking about building a new library. Are we even talking about what we're going to do with the old library building? Is that going to be, you know, is, uh, yeah, are we yeah. just going to tear it down? Are we going to look at how we use that facility to get housing for some people who need it? You mm. know, uh, we're coming up to winter season. As a business owner, I do a lot of my banking at night. You know, mm. I walk into the bank lobbies and there's homeless people sleeping by the ATM machines mm. in the front lobbies of banks. I mean, we really have to address the fact that this city is not dealing with homelessness. It's a matter, it gets shifted between the federal government, the provincial government, local government. Mm -hmm. The fact is if the municipality doesn't step in and do something about it, then it's not going to get done. Well, I mean, the not to interrupt you, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, our, our local spending and, and perhaps you've encountered this number, our, our local spending on dealing with homelessness and, and poverty issues has gone up uh, across Ontario by an average of 60 percent at the local level, where it's um, a fraction of that has been spent at the provincial and federal level. So, I mean, you could make a case that um, uh, places like Guelph uh, are carrying more of the weight than other levels of government on this issue. I'm going to have to question where that money's going and what it's really going into, because right. if we have the ability to create shelters and we're not doing it, and we're just talking about, okay, let's put in a library. And I believe in libraries. I told Richard Vivian this in the initial interview that I did with him for Guelph today. Mm. Um, but 
I really have to question, and I brought this up to Bishop McDonnell students today, are, are, is this library project even going to come in on budget? If, if the estimation is $62 million, mm-hmm. would it be fair for me to say right now, we're probably going to end up looking at about $120 million? And when you look at all the problems in the construction industry right now, delays, getting the needed equipment, getting everything, construction materials, it's, I don't think it's going to come in at $62 million. I just don't see it happening. You know, trying to convince people that, I mean, I don't want to get our conversation off course here. (laughs) Again, I have to apologize that I was pretty sleepless this morning at Bishop (laughs) Magdanao High School. The fact that I'm still up today, sitting in my vehicle this evening, talking to you (laughs) on Zoom, because, you know, I made a commitment that I would fit Adam A. Donaldson in for an interview. You know, I blew off CBC, but I'm bringing you in. I appreciate it. Believe me. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I care about this community and Mm -hmm. I would like to see some much needed changes in how we're addressing these issues. Okay. Let me ask Um, you this then. Um, I haven't even gotten to the public safety half. Oh, okay. Do you want to throw a question at me? Um. I, I do want to hear your public safety. So maybe can you can you give it to me in maybe a minute? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So when we're dealing with public safety, um, let's even look at the recent Guelph Mercury Tribune article where I put forward the idea, why don't we get the drug treatment court program in here in Guelph? You know, mm-hmm. mayor and city councils across Ontario, they're now talking about decriminalizing opiates. And mm. when you look at the the death rate um, associated with opium related overdoses. Mm. I'm just shocked that our mayor supports this. I cannot stand behind any candidate who is in that mindset that thinking about, Oh, well, you know, those poor drug addicts and yes, I feel the same way. This is why the drug treatment programs work. Drug treatment courts force people into rehab. They just don't, allow people to get away with narcotic possession and it's like tying police officers hands behind their back they can't even do their job because they can stop someone basically more or less arrest them and find that they don't even have enough narcotics on their person to keep them in custody and and it's so ridiculous that people are talking about this they're not even looking at it from a public safety perspective from a police perspective People are looking at it from the addict perspective. And yes, I sympathize with the situation, which is why drug treatment courts get people into rehab because prosecution basically forces it. You want to deal from prosecutors? Well, then you're going to rehab. You can get diverted through drug treatment programs. So that's why we should have drug treatment courts in Guelph. And that means we have to engage in that conversation with our federal prosecutors to get that done under the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act, because they have these programs in Toronto and Victoria, and well, we are, you know, we have to address it. I was going to say, from what I understand, uh, th- that question was posed because it was a recommendation from the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario, um, and and they have data to back up that when you decriminalize drugs, it makes it more likely that people will seek treatment on their own, and uh, above that. Um, people aren't forced to, you know, kind of scurry to the dark corners where they get access to drugs that, you know, may end up 
poisoning them. It's kind of the same theory that's behind the, the treatment it's, and consumption it's center. Slope. I know, I know the arguments, you know, sure. on, I graduated from a criminal justice and public policy program. I, I know the arguments. I know what you're saying, but it's the situation is going to get worse. And it's like, I told you so in politics, like four years from now, when the situation is even worse, when the housing crisis hasn't been addressed, you know, running on a platform and telling people, Hey, this is a better way to be doing things. Mm. You know, diverting offenders into rehab is a better way to help prosecutors, to help police do their jobs. You know, allowing people simple drug possession is not going to solve the issue. I've heard the arguments. I don't see the evidence and I can't support it. And I'm shocked that our mayor would actually put teenagers, young adults and children at risk, knowing what he must know as mayor for eight years about drug trafficking in Ontario. So, you know, um, public safety. I mean, I stand by our police officers. Uh, the issue of um, traffic safety came up today and I emphasize in contradiction to Drew. You know, we can't cut funding to police and we need to ensure that we, the police have an adequate budget to do what they need to do. If anything, we might consider because traffic safety came up, diverting more resources into the traffic safety division, you know, and mm. uh, cameras, I don't see it solving the issue as a deterrent, mm. but, you know, an active presence of police out there on the roads, speed traps things of that nature get the job done and I in my fourth pillar and again I feel like I'm using the other candidates terminology <laughs> I don't like to say these are the four pillars of my campaign because you're running for mayor mm -hmm. you're gonna have to work with 12 counselors how can you have a program and say this is what I'm gonna do when I'm mayor mm -hmm. all you can say is this is what I'm gonna try to address mm -hmm. if elected into office because then I'll be stuck working with 12 counselors who might not be in on board with half these ideas so mm -hmm. you know critical infrastructure lower taxes mm -hmm. number one business continuity planning at city hall number two public safety and social services number three getting back to our green spaces number four mm -hmm. so when i'm talking about protecting guelph's green spaces to me yes that includes environmental protection you know i've heard concerns from residents about the ontario reserve property the fact that my understanding is that the city has acquired half that property and it's already being looked at. Oh, you mean the reformatory? And, sorry? You mean the reformatory land? I'm talking about the whole plot of land. If you look up what the Ontario Reserve property is, okay. my understanding is half that property has already been acquired by the city for development, for housing in Guelph. The other half is unusable, and this is my understanding. If I'm wrong, then, hey, you know, someone can call me out later on being wrong, but that's my understanding is I'm just going to say roughly 50% of that property has already been acquired for development. And it's not that I don't support housing. I mm. do, but I've been noting during this campaign, we need to change supply-demand economics. Mm -hmm. We need to work with the federal government on getting crown corporations involved in creating a surplus of supply of housing in Canada. Not only that, but as I mentioned during the debate last night and again today during the debate session at Bishop McDonnell, we need to use crown corporations. I see it as 
the only viable solution federally to create economic affluence in other parts of Canada. We really need to focus on rural Canada and try to, you know, whether it's uh, car factories, you know, that we create a crown corporation that's going to create automobiles from the East Coast to the West Coast. We're going to basically get into the car industry, making mm-hmm. electric cars. Mm-hmm. That seems to be what Justin Trudeau says he wants. Well, great. Then let's build factories all across Canada from the East Coast to the West Coast and then the territories. Oh, we can even use, you know, electric transport trucks to uh, do the shipping between these factories. Let's build electric vehicles all across Canada. Let's basically start getting into the business, not just of making cars, but let's start making towns. Let's work with small cities, small towns in rural Canada that want to expand. They want more money. They want a greater population coming to their community. And these are, this is the type of thinking that we need to get into. Before we wrap up, I just want to talk about this 50% development number you're talking about. Are, are you talking about the, the, um, the, growth man, the, the growth management plan where we develop 50, roughly 50% on greenfield and then roughly 50% on infill? Is, is that what you're talking about? If my sources are wrong, then my sources are wrong. But my understanding is when we talk about the Ontario Reserve property, the property that the Ontario government owns in Guelph, Okay. The Ontario government, as far as I understand, sold, I'm saying roughly 50% because I don't have the numbers in front of me. Okay. Sorry, I am sitting in my vehicle talking to you. But we're talking half that space that is usable for development has been, as far as I know, purchased by the city of Guelph for future housing development in Guelph. The other half is still the property of the Ontario government because it is not usable for development, which includes our historic old prison building there. Okay. Yeah. You're so, so you are talking about the OR lands. Yeah. I was saying Ontario reserve. Okay. 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 Good. All right. Um, I, I said to Bishop Mac students today, and I mean, maybe it sounds depressing to say this. we're mm -hmm. just going to see Toronto migration, people from the GTA, moving here because they're trying to get away from Toronto price. Mm. There's so many factors involved with the movement of populations in a free country where our constitution guarantees people freedom of mobility Mm -hmm. that we need the federal government to create economic incentives to move to rural Canada. Fair enough. Um, If people want to learn more about your ideas, John, um, this is the kind of the most essential question of the interview, by the way. Uh, Where can people learn more about your campaign? (laughs) Well, there is my website, www.johnambercruskey.ca. You know, it'll be online till about, what, October 24th. Mm -hmm. People want to see my campaign platform, they can certainly see it there. Um, You know, uh, I am on social media. I try to remain active, but, uh, you know, I'm also a really busy person. So I do occasionally put content on Twitter. (laughs) You are a busy person. And I I do appreciate you uh, joining us today for this uh, this chat. Good luck to you for the rest of the campaign. But John Edward Kresge, uh, thank you again for joining us here on Open Sources. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, Adam. All right. So that's John Edward Kresge. Don't go away. There's more. We are going to take a quick break and then come right back with Scotty's interview with Dr. William Albabish, another Guelph mayoral candidate. 
You are listening to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. number six on the most recent CFRU top 30 chart from by divine right still going after all of these years I think I saw them in the UC many many moons ago the album is called auto motto just out and that song is called number 87 hmm um, is there a connection or are you just is this a random pick well, somewhat random. It's on our, our chart, but they are uh, a long-running <laughs> Canadian band. Who have, okay, okay, okay. I'm uh, just, I was curious if the 80, if it, you know, if we're doing Da Vinci Code and 87 has a deeper meaning or something. So. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will find deeper meaning. Than, <laughs> no, I just, honestly, I just like the song. So the last time anyone good played Peter Clark Hall, but um, boom, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm they may have first played it in 1987. I think they go that far back, but okay. I'm dating myself. However, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, so our second interview is uh, Dr. William Elbabish. Uh, so Scotty, why don't you introduce uh, Dr. Elbabish for us? Yes, I spoke to uh, William Elbabish, uh, who is running for mayor, and I was totally not ready if you asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should let him uh, speak for himself. I guess. I, I suppose. How's that for throwing it back? Eh? <laughs> I, I, I suppose that's what he came here for. So we will. Um, we will throw it to Dr. Albabish, uh, mayoral candidate running here in Guelph, starting right now. I'm joined by William Albabish, one of six candidates running for mayor of Guelph in the October 24th municipal election. Welcome to the program, William. Thank you, Sky. Thank you for having me here on the program. Kind of by way of an introduction, seeing as voters of Guelph may not know who you are, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Absolutely. Well, I'll start off with a big hello, Guelph. And as mentioned, my name is William Albavish, and I'm running for mayor for the city of Guelph. And essentially, my platform revolves around diversity, inclusion, innovation, and affordability. And a little bit of background here on me. Essentially, I've been lucky, some may say unlucky, to experience different facets of life. Growing up, we've moved quite a bit, forced by war and or discrimination. And I've even seen my family lose everything, not once, but twice, and rebuilt from nothing. So that taught me that hard work and determination translates into success. And as, as a result of these experiences, along with my ultimate goal to make a positive contribution to society, I worked hard. And despite all odds, I got into the University of Guelph and thereby settling in this city about 15 years ago now. Time moves fast. <laughs> and... Through my university career, I've successfully completed three degrees, all in the health sciences, including a doctorate in human anatomy, with the, in, with the ultimate goal of developing tools to improve life within the university and beyond. And over the last 15 years, I've experienced Guelph from various perspectives, including a student, a professor, a citizen, renter, homeowner, neighbor, and more. And I've been heavily engaged in various activities within the city of Guelph 
including numerous volunteer roles, university politics, and several contractual positions. I've got a proven record of mastering new roles and excelling in new environments. I've seen this city prosper and I've seen it stagnate. Our infrastructure is essentially falling apart. Our citizens can't afford a roof over their head. And our seniors who built the city are ignored and left stranded in their own homes because some may argue this is not a municipal issue. And essentially, this is why I'm running here. I'm running because I can't stand by anymore knowing that my experience, skills, and work and determination can make a positive impact for this city. And so that's just a little bit for an overview. I could get into it a bit more here with you, Scotty, or I can nope. stop for now. Well, you can stop for now, but there's definitely a few questions that come out of that for sure. So, <laughs> so you're someone like myself who came here as a student and decided to stay, as you mentioned, which a lot of people do in this town. So how do you see, as it's an, an important one, the relationship between the city and the university? Is it fine as it is? Is there room for uh, improvement? Or Yeah, that's a very good question. See, the University of Guelph is probably one of the most important aspects we've got here in the city. And I don't think we're really tapping into the potential that we can tap into. One of the biggest messages you'll hear through my campaign on my website and whatnot is it's all about innovation. It's 2022 and we're still doing things that are not innovative, I would say, and are not green. As an example, I put up a video about election signs being plastic. And, you know, again, 2020, we should have digital tools to use. And so every time I, if you think about a lot of the issues that have two different polar opposites, if you think about bringing in the university and a, perhaps a symbiotic relationship, there's a lot that can be done that'll give students experience, that practical experience they need. And essentially the city will get out of it new knowledge, new innovative tools and extra help for, I guess, less than what you'd usually pay for. So I think a lot could be more, a lot more could be done involving the students and the university. So, and you mentioned it before, but something you've spoken on your campaign site and in other media is stagnation. In, in your view, the city has uh, stagnated. Some of that is kind of bigger picture, I guess, out of the city's control, but how would you see, or how would you as mayor kind of reverse the city's fortunes and tackle stagnation? Yeah, no, that's another good question. And I just want to clarify here. I mean, the current administration has been amazing. They've done a lot. But again, this is one of those things where you need new ideas. All the great ideas have been implemented. And many of us have seen Guelph change quite a bit over the last, you know, several years, over the last decade. But the last couple of years, especially throughout COVID and after COVID, were promised a lot. And instead, we're seeing these roads, again, falling apart. Look at York Road as an example and whatnot, and a lot of infrastructure being neglected. So a lot of people keep on asking me, you know, what's your experience? And I do have a lot of experience in different aspects that could be applied. But the biggest thing is I bring new ideas, evidence-based ideas that not only tackle one problem, but often two or three at once and tackle it from a perspective that helps helps with the issues where you've got polar opposites. One of the big things I quite a bit talk about now is the housing problem. And I've got a solution that'll address the housing problem, it'll address seniors in our city, and it'll continue keeping our green spaces. You know, one of the big issues is green spaces being redeveloped. Well, I've got a solution for all these three issues. And again, this brings it back to the innovative evidence-based solutions that we can look at. Well, I guess let's talk a bit about the the, the housing problem with the housing challenges then, because that speaks to your uh, uh, mission statement, as you call it, the affordable city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you said that Guelph has to you know, make the most of the existing resources it has, maybe do more with less, yet certain citizens are uh, financially penalized. So in terms of, let's let's go to affordability for a second, then we'll talk about housing. 
how are the how are citizens of Guelph? And I'm, I, I assume this speaks directly to uh, homeowners or property owners. How are they being penalized? Is that by way of higher taxes or uh, lack of services? Yeah, it's it's essentially the insane amount of taxes we're paying some of the highest and we're not seeing a return on that i would say in terms of infrastructure in terms of things that need to be taken care of so we're we're seeing a lot of people leave guelph and other people from different cities that can afford it move into guelph but we're losing our talent in guelph just because of the pricing and just again this is bringing back to housing a case in point when i mentioned i was a student when i was a student rent was 375 dollars per room everything included this was i'm talking about 10 years ago not much and nowadays there are no rooms for rent rent is going as high as nine hundred thousand dollars for a tiny little room pushing people out pushing citizens out and at the same token families can't even find homes for themselves to rent for you know a full family with children whatnot they can't find a place to live. And a big contribution, a big contributor of that is the high amount of taxes that we pay, the insane water bills that we pay. If you look at it, I believe it was you guys put an article out how if you look at the water bill and the taxes we pay in Guelph, it's a huge amount of our salary that's being taken away, making it such an expensive city to live in. So what would be the remedy for that? Like how in, in your view, how how would you how would something occur? either by innovation or otherwise, is to like reduce the water bill, say. What, what's the solution for that? Well, this is this is literally my favorite topic. So my whole PhD thesis and master's revolved around one phase, which is do more with less. So how, come, how can we do more with less? So just tackle the housing problem here briefly. We've got the two groups, the one group that says, let's increase density, let's build more homes, granny suites and whatnot, which I support as well. But then you've got the groups that's not in my backyard. My backyard is an area that can't support it infrastructure wise. It's built to be a low density. Don't build extra housing in there, which I also agree with in some of the cases. So my solution to that is twofold. The first aspect of it is if you look at municipal or cities, even like California to go all the way halfway around the world here. They're using now software that allows when it comes to planning, infrastructure, et cetera, it allows everything to be typed in digitally. It'll show you any issues you've got with your planning before the permits go in. And it really, really shortens the processing time, which again, we all know that time translates into money. And it gives you even solution for alternative alternative material that could be used to cheapen the cost for building a new building. So there's that innovative aspect for the building itself. Now, pulling back a second, though, how can we tackle, and also I should say, how can we address the groups too that say, Guelph used to be a green city and it's becoming less and less green, which is also true. And my solution to that is if we pull back here and look outside of the box, I'm just going to give you a couple of quick stats here, top of my head. Sure, go right ahead. If you look about 60, 70 years ago, back in the 40s, 50s, the percentage of people living alone in a house, especially the elderly, was maybe 1%, not even. Now, fast forward to today, I think last figure I read was about 27% or something really, really high. And so the city of Guelph, in terms of long-term care homes, the only municipally funded one is the Elliott. High density allows a lot of people to sit in one small footprint, essentially. My solution here is if we look outside the box, there's a lot of elderly that are looking for a safe environment to live in a place that they can be watched and it'll be comfortable for them. If we were to provide such environment by building another high-density institute, such as the Iliad, where we would petition the province to help with the funding and aid with that, we could 
alleviate a lot of the houses that are being currently occupied by individuals that don't want to live there anymore. And all of a sudden, now you've got more housing on the market from a different avenue, right? We're not building any more new homes. We're not reclaiming any more land. No, we're now repurposing some of the homes that really the people living in there don't want to live in there anymore. They want to be in somewhere they can be taken care of. So that's just one of those ideas where evidence-based, let's look at the numbers, let's think outside of the box. And going back again to the innovative part, wrapping it back here in a full circle, software, innovation, technology, that's that's one of my favorite things. And I always look at consumer technologies to improve education, at least in my field. Well, we can bring the same thing to the city. I had mentioned that building software and I've got it written down there somewhere, but that's something to look at. There's software for permits to look at. There are all sorts of tools that we can use, even the whole construction around the city taking place right now where you know, if you take a look, Gordon Street and Victoria Street were both put on construction at the same time with the within the school year where we've got an extra 25, 30,000 people in our city, giving us a massive gridlock. So again, that's another thing that could be addressed that will save time, it'll save the time for the construction itself, thereby saving taxpayers money. And that is something that has, through the course of the election, come up over and over again. It's not a neglected issue, but I have heard that from other people as well in terms of coordination of construction. But this this relates to construction as well. And I, I didn't expect this, but coming back to the forefront of this election has been the debate over the library, the endless debate over the library. <laughs> and it's, yep. it's, a, it's a done deal, sort of, but... It, I don't think there's anything that's kind of initiated as much discussion. It, it just seems to keep coming back. Large infrastructure projects and wealths, in many people's opinion, inability to follow not only just a timeline, but a budget, because the budget is never, in the 21st century, I don't think any budget has been, anything has been on budget. I could be wrong about that. So in, <laughs> in your view, what and this may involve innovation as well, um, what would be the city's fix for that? Yeah. And I should say, you can see I get passionate about some of these topics. I might go on and on, but, and I wish we've got more time to talk about oh, this. feel free. <laughs> yeah. I mean, eventually I'd like to wrap things off with this topic about, about the police station, what happened there. But looking at the library, I've actually gotten a lot of emails about where do you stand with the library issue? And it's a tough one. I do want to state first that it's not where I stand. If I'm mayor, I'm representing the people. And I've said it in my campaign trail that I would put a poll up where everyone can easily accept, access this poll and vote as to what they want. So ultimately, it doesn't matter where I stand. It's what the people want. Now, from a personal perspective where I stand, it's been actually tough because as an educator, I see the value of education. I know the innovation it can do. I mean, look at, as I know, there was an article written recently about Waterloo where everyone fought the rails and the the new LTR there. And all of a sudden now it's bringing so much to the economy. So a lot of arguments could be made that a new library would bring so much in the future, right? Maybe now it might be a money, a money pit, but in the future it might bring more. But then there's the argument where even I myself have seen it. I've used some of the libraries here within Guelph and I've seen them quite empty often, right? And being a tech individual myself, I mean, the libraries have used them for the tools they've got, the laser engraver, the 3D printer, all these fun tools that I wanted to play with. But in terms of digital technology, digital tools, books, et cetera, they can all be found online. So there's that argument as well, right? And again, this is where I'm really torn. So my ultimate, the more I think about it, the more I go back to one, we shouldn't really be voting on something right now where the city is almost 50% divided on. We should really look at all the facts first give another vote to the people and see where they want to go. And this is going to be especially true 
like you said, right now it's a done deal, but it will be true when the bids do come. And if the bids are, you know, 20, 30, 40 million over what it is, we really need to reassess. And I don't have direct here information about well cost, but if it's going to cost taxpayers, you know, $2 on their tax bill a year for the next 25 years, whatever, not a big deal, $2 save your coffee, you know, but if it's going to be something where people are going to lose a roof over their head, this is where I would argue, is it worthwhile having these tools, but then now we have more people not being able to live in the city and losing their roofs. So again, I'm honestly torn with it. This is ultimately an issue that we need to wait, see what the bits come in at. And if it's something feasible, that's not going to hurt our population, let's go for it. It's a great, let's improve our city. If it's going to cause more harm than good, then we need to reassess and see other ways we can save money before moving forward. So since you mentioned it while we're on the topic, what what was your view on the the police station project, which is one of the more notorious ones in town for not fulfilling the criteria? Yeah. So this is a touchy subject for me. See, I completely support the police force. I've got a lot family members even that work and I see what happens in other municipalities where there's priority one calls taking in place you know emergencies they don't even have enough people on the road so what Guelph did increasing the size and looking at what the population will be in the future is great believe it or not we're honestly I feel safe being Guelph than many other municipalities so that was great now here is the problem though you see, eight years ago, we were promised that we'll never have you become, you know, 2.0 ever happen again, where we get sued and lose millions of dollars, 7 million to be exact. Well, here we are eight years later, where the current administration sat on the on the board, the police board, and we're aware of what's going on for over a year before updating the city website, stating all the delays and the issues taking place. And because of what well, I'm going to go as far as calling neglect, not informing the public as to what's going on, look at us now being sued once again for $7 million, $7 million that if we lose, imagine what could have been done with that between infrastructure, housing, homes, you know, food bank, all sorts of things. So this is where I keep on going back to transparency, transparency, transparency. I don't think our city website or the tools we've got allow normal people easy access to what's going on behind closed doors. And that needs to change. We can't let, we can't have any more silly decisions being made that are going to cost taxpayers wasteless money, you know, being sued for something that's, we're not even getting anything out of it. You kind of touched on it there and it's a police related topic. You mentioned safety and that's something I think that has two layers to it. There's, you know, infrastructure level like bike lanes, but also personal safety. As we've seen, there was that incident downtown where strangers stabbed on the street. So let's, let's discuss the latter. So what, what, what do you think could be done at city hall to improve the personal safety of people in Guelph? That's fair. Now, I have to say up to about a year or two years ago, I would say, whoa, Guelph is not safe with everything going on. But honestly, again, having gone around cities over the last two months or so experiencing different cities within Ontario, I am so grateful to what we have. Yes, there's things going on, petty theft, but what could be done at City Hall? And this is a big, the issue here, let's pull it back. The issue is these people are being caught. They're being charged. They're being let in into a cell. And the next day, released on the street where they repeat the same thing again. And again, this is directly coming from the horse's mouth where police officers themselves are fed up of putting their life at danger to capture these criminals only to be released the next day. So what City Hall can do, and I know this is one of those things where people say, oh, it's not a municipal issue. We don't want to deal with it. No, we can start petitioning the government. I know many cities have already been doing that, petitioning the government to change the rules where people that are being caught, they can 
be held, not like go because of COVID or whatever, you know, that changed the rules. So that could be done at city level where we can start petitioning the government for that. I, this is an issue where, again, I wish if I already had a foothold in City Hall and knew what was going on behind closed doors, I'd have more ideas. I don't want to comment much more on that because I I am familiar to what's going on in different cities, not perhaps Guelph per se, in terms of policing. But again, the issue is it's the same criminals repeating the same offense over and over again, costing you, the taxpayers, a lot of money. And the police officers are putting their life at jeopardy dealing with it. So to be honest, nowadays, I feel it's it's awful to say, but I feel you're very well, you're well off being a criminal than a hardworking citizen with the way our laws are going. So well, let's change gears just a little bit here. What, what's, what's your opinion on the proposed provincial strong mayor legislation? Should it be extended to smaller cities like Guelph? Do you think the mayoral setup is fine the way it is as part of a, a group decisions and group voting? Or you know, should mayoral powers be extended to provincial priority issues? I feel giving more powers just whenever you give more power to someone, you're taking away more from democracy. That's the way I look at it. If one person now is making decisions on behalf of others, especially if others don't want these decisions to be made, then I don't agree with it. It really is taking away from democracy. I do see the perspective when it comes to housing and making these decisions. But again, the reason that there is pushback for most parts, because there is a legitimate reason behind it. Now, there are times where you know, I know in Toronto, people were paying $200 to just petition a bill and they were delaying it by years and years because everything is over flooded now. Those rules should be changed and amended at that level. But we can't just give a power hat to a mayor and say, hey, take over, make the decisions. Council is there for a reason. And having a diverse set of rules or rather opinions is what is democracy is all about. And I can tell you from my experiences growing up, I Trust me when I tell you, you don't want to have one person in control, one person in power. The more power you get, the worse our society gets. That's that's one thing I love about our system here in Canada. And honestly, we should all really take a closer look at what's going on around the world before we start changing our constitution. So here's the wild card question we kind of we ask everybody. If you were elected mayor and are in the chair at City Hall in November, uh, what would be your first order of business? What would be number one? item on the agenda for you. You sat down and said, okay, let's tackle. <laughs> yeah, there, there's two, but the first one, and the reason I'm actually running is seeing how my neighbor was treated with the city, this neighbor who's nine, three, almost nine, four years old, built the city of Guelph on his shoulder, him and his wife. The way they were treated when they looked for a home to live was just awful. They're now not, she's living in a different city, a long-term care after years of him taking care of her. And after I've contacted personally the city and really got no answers, was why I'm running here. So to roll back, first thing I would do is let's look at petitioning the provincial government and pushing for it to give funding for another long-term care facility that will allow many of our seniors who are desperate right now, living alone in a house, in a four or five bedroom house, and are desperate to get out of that situation into a long-term care, to sit there, to have a place where, where they would be safer. And all of a sudden now, you're tackling the issue of housing. You're giving more housing on the market. You're tackling the issue of green spaces where we're not taking any more green spaces. That would be my first, first priority. And then there is the whole bike lanes and, you know, again, innovation and improving time and speed for a lot of things. That'll be, I think I would do all of that the first week, to be honest. Anyone that knows me knows that I like to just jump fully into it and go crazy with whatever it is. 
Final question, because we are almost out of time. We extend the ability of all candidates who come on the show to make an appeal to the voters of Guelph. So in your case, why should the voters choose William Albabish on October 24th as their pick for mayor? Take a look at my website. There's a lot more I'd love to talk about that I can't at this instance, but you will see that all of the decisions I'm going to make, let's put the bureaucracy aside. It's all going to be evidence-based. My training throughout my PhD, my master's, and all taught me to look at evidence-based approaches for solving all sorts of things. So I'm not just going to be another politician that'll do what bigger, stronger, you know, developers, as an example, would ask you to do. No, I'm going to be there for you. For my fellow citizens, as someone that lives in Guelph, I want to have a city that I can live in for the rest of my life that I can afford. And so I want it to be safe, comfortable. And this is why I'm running. I'm running for people like you, myself, my neighbor, and everyone else. Thanks for joining us, William. And speaking of your website, if people would like to find out more about you, your campaign, or get in touch, where and how can they do that? Absolutely, Sky. Well, you can easily Google me, but if you go on willformare.ca, williamformare.ca, I've got a couple of websites. They all take you to the same place. You'll find there my Instagram, my YouTube for videos that I've been posting. Everything will be online. But the easiest is just Google me and you'll get all the information you need. Well, thanks again and uh, best of luck on October 24th. Thank you so much, Sky, and everyone else for listening to my what I had to say. Have a wonderful day. Okay, then. So that was Dr. William Elbabish, a mayoral candidate. So that's two down. Uh, it looks like we will have three next week in an embiggened episode of the show. Um, we will have Danny Drew, uh, Sheila McFarland, and of course, the incumbent mayor, Cam Guthrie. So you can stay tuned for that. Scotty, any last words, thoughts about our mayoral interviews today? Uh, nothing really. I think I would slide in the reminder that advanced polls are on this weekend. Uh, if you're yes. listening on Thursday. Uh, I know lots of people listen on the podcast, but if you are catching us in our normal slot on the radio, mm-hmm. 14th, 15th, 16th, check out, oh, what is it again, Adam? Vote.guelph.ca. Is that right? Yeah, that's I've it. I've only been there 10,000 times. I should know about <laughs> my, my, my. Check there for locations and times. Mm hmm. But if you want to get her done so you can listen to us, possibly maybe on election night, which we're still going to sort out, uh, you should do that. Yeah. Yeah. You should. Yeah. We're going to be on on election night. So you should sort that out anyway. Somewhere in the in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere. All right. Uh, stay connected to us at our website, opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire and on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. If you'd like to listen to our show again, you can download it from our website every Monday at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter, and for all things CFRU, particularly when certain shows are on, including ours, (laughs) CFRU.ca slash shows. And speaking of more shows, you can stay tuned for more shows here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. As we previously stated about a minute ago, you can come back here next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources. And we will see you then.